0: Have no other option, right? But to um, abandon this approach, but this is more like a passive, right, uh, uh, approach, right? The uh, because they're forced to give up.
1: After months of harsh and relentless COVID nineteen lockdowns, China's major cities have begun opening up again. In this episode, we will examine the current state of China's zero-COVID policy. We will discuss the lockdowns in Shanghai and Beijing, and explore the effects of the zero-COVID policy on China's economy and political stability. Finally, we will explore the various responses to China's decision and delve into what the future may look like for China. Joining me today on the podcast is Professor Yanzhong Huang.
2: Professor Huang is a senior fellow for global health at the Council on Foreign Relations, where he directs the Global Health Governance Roundtable series. He's also a professor and director of global health studies at Seton Hall University's School of Diplomacy and International Relations. He recently published the reports, The COVID-19 Pandemic and Chinese Global Health Leadership and Advancing U.S.-China Health Security Cooperation in an Era of Strategic Competition. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Hopkins Podcast on Foreign Affairs. Professor Huang, thank you for joining us today.
0: Thanks for having me.
1: So to begin, can you explain what the zero COVID policy is in China and give us an overview of how China's government has been implementing this strategy?
0: Well, you know, basically, right, the zero COVID, right, the objective is to ensure Right, that uh, uh, if there is an outbreak or flare-up, right, a COVID case, right, the, the government is going to do right, all it takes to make sure the uh, local transmission um, is cut, you know, and the cases are reset to zero at least in unquarantined population. So even a very small number of cases, like two or one, uh, could trigger immediately mass PCR testing, aggressive contact tracing, quarantine, and isolation measures, a spray of large amounts of disinfectants, and if needed, a sealing of entire neighborhoods or even cities.
1: Yeah. So... I know in the past, the the World Health Organization, as well as other organizations, have stated that the zero COVID policy is unsustainable. Um, why do you believe China has stuck with the zero COVID policy regardless? And do you find this approach to be effective in combating COVID-19?
0: Well, it depends, right? <laughs> um, you know, if you ask you this question one year ago, you know, I would say, right, in terms of achieving the objective zero COVID, it was effective. because When that policy was launched uh, in the spring of 2020, uh, the situation was under control in Wuhan and elsewhere. So the objective at that time was to secure right the hard-won achievements, right, maintain a COVID-free environment and to buy time for mass vaccination, you know, so that China could achieve the so-called herd immunity. It initially it did work very well, right? Because China sustained extremely low level of infection until very recently. Uh there were few severe cases. Mortality level was extremely low. You know that was in sharp contrast to the United States. So far, we already have right like uh, I think more than uh close to ninety million cases and. Uh, um or even more and more than 1 million deaths right so uh china used that contrast right to tout the superiority of china's pandemic response and the its political system uh so that approach worked you know uh, even um when delta variant uh arrived in china you know there was um, in outbreak in Nanjing and Yangzhou uh, in the southeastern Jiangsu province which served like a wake up call you know on sustainability of that approach uh, because of this diminishing returns problem you know, and uh, according to uh, one China, uh, the Chinese public health expert, it becomes ten times more difficult to implement the zero COVID when facing Delta variant. Uh so they have to they have to redefine the objective to the so-called uh, uh, societal zero COVID. That is, you know, they can still claim success as long as the cases are, are found in unquarantined population right so they were able to bring the situation under control even uh, uh, under the delta uh, um attack uh it uh, reported only two covid deaths for the entire year of 2021 uh, in the meantime you know they indeed but well, they were uh, making uh, significant progress in vaccinating uh, the domestic population with near like 90 percent of the people receiving two doses of the inactivated vaccines. And of course, by all this changed after March 2022, this year, right, with the arrival of Omicron wave.
2: And Professor Huang, could you give us, or maybe for readers who don't know as much about the Zero COVID policy in China. Could you give us a more in-depth um, review, maybe, of what happens when someone tests positive for COVID um, under this policy?
0: Good question, right? So when you are tested positive, right, uh, you will be isolated and treated, right? No matter, uh, it will be hospitalized, no matter the uh, you know the symptoms are mild or not. Uh, and in the meantime, they're going to trace right, um, the close your close contacts. Right, the, the uh, uh, you will be essentially bombarded by all this by the, the questions uh, you know, from various actors: public security bureau, right, the, the uh, subdistrict office, by local police station, neighborhood committee, local CDC. Uh, where you go where you uh, you went you know who did you meet did you meet right the uh where did you stop where is the uh 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 do you remember you know who this person uh, You're gonna probably also show your, your receipts by the uh on the uh, consumption um you have uh, um uh, spent, the money you have spent right uh the uh, 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 then well, based on that they're going to you know <laughs> trace the, this identify the close contacts and quarantine those people and this these people also found positive but well, they're going to start another round of contact tracing right that they found more people uh to be quarantined and isolated if necessary. And in the meantime, if uh, they are like uh, in some localities, you know, this might even trigger, right, the mass PCR testing, right? Uh, you know, this you know, the uh, entire uh, the district, right, even entire city could be subject to mass PCR testing, right, in order to ferry out, you know, these cases.
2: And in recent news, I think we've heard that Shanghai and Beijing have. Begun opening up a little after months of um, seemingly more harsh lockdowns. Could you describe for us a little bit about the state of these lockdowns right now, and particularly how are Chinese citizens um, reacting to these strict rules and regulations?
0: Well, you know, we know what happened in Shanghai. so a tragic right development, right? Uh, but the. Well, I think the government learned a different kind of lesson, right, from Shanghai in that they they believe, you know, that this tragedy right, could be avoided if they responded early uh, in a speedy, effective manner. That is, right, uh, they should not wait until right the, the virus already being uh, uh, spreading everywhere right, to take action. Uh, you should start to take action, even though a very small number of cases were found. Right, so uh, they uh, started to um, uh, normalize, so to routinize those PCR testing. Right, it's initially it's requiring. Resident to be subject to PCR testing every forty hours. That is now by the increase to seventy-two hours. But still, right, that's a lot of inconvenience by it uh, uh, to the people, right? Because without the participating right, in the test right you are not uh, going to receive you know the uh receive the right code right that uh you you don't have that code but it will be difficult for you to use the public transportation or uh go to uh public places right so this is causing a lot of inconvenience to the chinese people in the meantime but it uh, also um caused the problem you know to the supply chain by in China suppressing domestic demand uh, um so you know they this this contained unhappiness by the, the uh um toward this approach you know? uh but in the meantime there, right, i think of, you know this discontent on uh, happiness, I think, varies across regions, right? Uh, you could say in Shanghai, where well, this is maybe the social discontent is at an all-time high. Uh, but uh, in smaller cities right, or uh, the countryside, right, uh, the, the overall support to zero COVID remains very strong. And in uh, localities by right, that are under lockdown, you know but uh, you know really right the, the uh because of the information you know, blackout uh we have no idea what the people there think about right the uh, uh or respond you know to uh those you know heavy handed measures.
1: Yeah, definitely. And with so much, I guess, controversy over how Xi Jinping is handling COVID-19, I guess, how has his persistence and his refusal to retract the zero COVID policy led to intra party conflict and political instability? And are there any signs of discontent within um, his administration?
0: Well, I assume whether uh, are there should be dis- dissenting voices even within the party, right? There are uh, officials, to my knowledge, you know, who um, uh, be- who are convinced that the zero COVID is not necessary. Uh, it is not uh, effective, by right, In reining the spread of the virus, yeah. and they also believe, right, that it's uh, uh, caused the you know the, the uh, economic slowdown right and uh, uh, you know make it difficult for China to achieve right the, the posited uh, economic growth goals but this year which is like 5.5 percent but now people suspect it's probably going to be like two percent but if uh, uh, effective uh, measures are not undertaking right to uh fix the economy right so uh we are seeing the rift you know in the party right um uh, whether the zero COVID should be continued although officially right as you uh may have uh, uh, learned right that the uh the government made it very clear right that the uh, uh the, the party should uh, stick to my uh, zero COVID unwavering. The right? president she certainly made it clear right, that zero COVID will continue uh to be pursued right, uh in the coming month you know, uh at least um, so uh you are you're, Basically, right, <laughs> there are two. I won't say factions, but uh, two two uh, groups of people, right? One insistence, you know, pursuing or COVID. The other believe, right, that uh, uh, you know this time, right, to focus on uh, fixing the economy and uh, uh, you know, it's time, and that that policy uh, should be relaxed or giving away to a more cost effective approach.
1: I guess, speaking of um, political conflict, in your foreign policy article recently, you mentioned a few similarities between uh, Mao Zedong's uh, great leap forward and Xi Jinping's zero COVID policy. Could you explain that correlation and its importance in how China's government moves forward with the pandemic?
0: Well, we, we we all know, right? In China, right, there's the the um the conflict, right, over important public policy. Right, it's less about the policy differences per se. It's more about right the competition for political power, right. And then for um, President Xi, who invested personally, right, on the zero in the zero COVID policy. Right. And uh, um, moving away from that approach is tantamount to admitting policy failure. Right, that is going to right, uh put in jeopardy by the, his by legacy, his personal leadership, and even uh, legitimacy. Right, so the political stake is mm-hmm. very high right so that that's said right that this china different from other countries when they move away uh from zero covid right all by they considered is this cost and benefit right you know weighing uh the cost of pursuing that approach right exceeded the benefits right it's time right, to move away from that, that approach you know but uh, weighing that the issue right the policy shift right, itself uh is politicized when the political stake uh, uh is so high right uh the this social economic cost right becomes secondary, right? Uh, especially when we talk about how right uh, pursuing zero COVID is framed, you know, as a competition between two political systems, you know, when uh, it's uh, all uh, so closely tied to President Xi himself, right? That that uh, policy shift becomes even more difficult.
2: And you spoke a little bit about how the zero covid policy has had a noticeable effect on China's own economy. On a similar note, I wanted to ask you about whether um a similar effect has been noticed on other countries' economies and global supply chains with the importance of China in the global economy and Maybe even further. Do you believe the world at large could recover from COVID economically while China is still maintaining its zero COVID policy?
0: Well, that is a very good question, right? That given that China's status, you know, as the engine of what economy, what economic growth, and also, you know, like uh, a workshop, you know, to the world, right? That uh, uh, these. Zero COVID policy might has you know, um, huge impact might on the global supply chain, right? Uh, but uh, you know, for other countries, right, they are um, so dependent upon you know the uh, uh, China in the world economy. Right? Uh, they the uh, uh, also by right, considering right the the. Uh, uh, reassessing by just right, china strategy right, to become less dependent on china you know that they involves by right, the uh uh you know, relocating the supply chain you know that uh i uh, involves by right, that uh, 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 you know, the, for the multinational corporations by right, the uh uh no longer increase the investment in china uh and uh, uh, also by right, they considered a plan b by right, the uh, uh, operating in china you know that basically by right, they having the factories by right, the uh prepared for operating under this closed loop system uh so they want to basically reduce the impact right of china's zero covid policy but uh so uh i think in the short term right you know it's almost impossible for us to you know, avoid right the, the um the disruption, right, the uh, caused by China's you know, zero COVID policy, uh, but uh, you know, if that uh, situation continued, right, or, I mean, if the zero COVID, uh, the uh, uh, the impact right uh, sustained, right, I think uh, uh, that uh, may uh, accelerate the trend of disengaging China. Economically, at least partially, right. Uh, so you know that in order to um, uh, reduce their dependence right, on China, so that uh, uh, is possible, but I think it's still too early, right, for us to discuss this prospect.
2: And has there been any research on um, maybe which countries seem to be most affected by the disruption? Uh, on China's end, or is it also a little bit too early to see who who will be more affected?
0: Well, I think it de- it depends on right which sectors you are talking about. When right? mm-hmm. we talk about, for example, in Chile, right, the the, uh, uh, the fruit industry is being heavily impacted, you know, by uh, China's you know the uh, uh, zero COVID policy, you know, because of all these requirements, right. Um, uh the the inspecting right the uh, uh the uh uh the the, fruit, the the inspection requirements and the delay writing the, uh the uh uh importing process and in the meantime by right, this quality being affected you know because of the delay that would make it right the, the uh the price sold in the chinese market right the lower uh as, I believe that uh, you know this. The, we also saw, right, how you know this the, this this complaint come from countries like Vietnam, uh, but uh, it's the the uh, it, it's uh, um, uh, it, it depends again. That it, it's like as you know, it depends on which country you are talking about and which sector uh, you are talking about. You know, it's very hard to say which country you know, suffers the most, right, in this process.
1: And how have Hong Kong and Taiwan, who have both enacted zero-COVID policies in the past, reacted to news of China's relentless lockdowns and restrictions? Why did they rescind their own zero-COVID policies? And what are their future strategies towards combating COVID?
0: Well, we know Hong Kong is a special region of China, right? So uh, they they basically might move away from zero-COVID, right, Uh, uh because the uh uh the this outbreaks by in the spring right that led to by the, the spike of cases by uh which overwhelmed by the uh speci- the regions by the, the territories by the healthcare system and led to by the the, uh, the 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 probably the highest you know covid mortality rate uh the world, right? But uh, you know, once the uh, situation is stabilized, you know, uh, the uh, um, uh, they uh have decided right, to move away from zero COVID, you know, and uh, uh, and for Taiwan, by right, It's uh, the um you know they were also very successful right, under zero covid policy you know, but uh, uh the leadership there right the uh, um decided to uh, um pivot away from that approach you know that uh, considering right that the uh that the, the change in nature of the virus you know, and the cost associated with that approach. But uh, you know, to what extent, why this decision in Taiwan, for example, is being affected by the mainland's zero COVID policy, especially as the uh, development in Shanghai remained unknowing.
1: Yeah, definitely. And I guess, do you believe that China would be successful in implementing similar strategies or not? not so much?
0: Well, I think that the problem here in that policy by itself, right? It's um, um, there's a big logical right incoherence, by right, The you know that, that makes it this policy unjustifiable. I was reading right that this um, uh, this article you know, about the outbreak in Beijing by right, this morning by right, the uh war puzzled you know, by you know, the uh the difficult right to stem right the outbreaks in the city right uh, so one of the leading public health experts explained you know that so this is because right, uh, the symptom, the symptoms of COVID are mild, you know, and the spread, the transmission rate uh, is high, and the spread is very still. Uh And in the meantime, uh, they uh, he claimed, you know, that the mass vaccination actually make it even more difficult to detect, uh, right, the uh, the cases and the, the the symptoms become even milder. I right? uh, so I was. Just struck me. Said, "Wait a second. Right? If you, you know, this is all the, the what the you know the how you know COVID spread in China. If the symptoms are so mild, why bother, right? To rely on zero COVID, right? That doesn't seems to make any sense, right? To use such draconian measures against you know a uh, virus, you know, whose symptoms you know so mild." And, uh, the, the, uh, uh, the, the, uh, and the the, contag- the uh the it's and the it is so contagious right uh, uh so um i think in a way what this policy you know itself, you know can become self defeating right because right uh if you want to avoid mass die off if you want to avoid you know overwhelming the healthcare system right it's imperative to invest right in search capacity building right to edu- in educating people about the risk right, posed by covid and to also in prioritizing the elderly in vaccination right and treatment but over the past few years, we know there are no serious investment right, uh, in expanding the capacity right, to treat severe cases. Right? They're still highlighting the danger of Omicron variant and uh, uh, this mass PCR testing and the quarantine efforts actually right, uh, uh, means that uh, all those resources right, that uh, are supposed to be uh, used for uh, mass vaccination right the, the uh uh actually uh, uh being siphoned away by right, the to uh enforced by like, the zero covid measures you know so it's that policy by itself right is not the, uh helping by china um avoiding the worst case scenario, which, you know, zero COVID policy uh, is supposed to avoid.
1: Yeah, definitely. And I guess um, coming from a US perspective, um, I feel like our COVID policies and masking policies have just been eased so much. So I guess how have these other major international actors, such as the US, reacted to China's really harsh zero COVID policy? Well.
0: Well, we have the WHO, right, basically reacted, right, to the policy saying this is not sustainable. Uh, and you also have, right, Dr. Fauci, right, the, the uh, uh, you know, basically also, right, the claim, you know, that the zero COVID uh, policy is not going to work, right, uh, which certainly China, you know, believe, you know, that the, uh, uh is not true, right? It's the uh this remarks, you know, as they claim they're not responsible, right? Uh, and they could point instead, right, there's the uh, large number of cases and death in the country, right uh, that, that does not justify what they consider the lying flat approach. Uh so you know here you know we have you know basic again right there's the uh response to the pandemic as being framed as a competition between two political systems might that not only make it difficult for china to exit from zero COVID, but also make it difficult for uh the countries by the like the united states by the, to uh, basically have a serious dialogue right with china on how to Uh, work together, effectively respond to the pandemic and prepare uh, for the next one.
2: And I think that's a great segue, Professor Huang, to the next question, which is based on what you talked about, especially from China's perspective and how difficult it might be to switch their policy, when do you think China and Xi Jinping can and will be able to um end the zero COVID covid policy, or in other words, what maybe needs to happen in order for that um to be a possibility?
0: well, I think essentially well, there are two scenarios here, right the one scenario is that when you um, balance the uh, uh, the benefits against right the cost and the risks right the um uh and um uh, uh, abandon the zero COVID mentality right they realize but this is my no longer worth a while right to continue investing that policy let's just move on right and uh turn to a more cost effective approach right uh but uh, I think again like the with political stakes so high you know I doubt what right, this is gonna happen anytime soon right uh, but the second uh, approach basically we talk about the reactive right the, the uh, uh, response you know that is but uh, if China continue to uh, they well, they want to pursue a zero COVID policy, but uh, uh you know, it's just impossible, right, to um, cut the local transmission chain. right? and with the emergence of more highly transmissible variants or subvariants, right, the uh, uh if uh, Zero COVID, you know, essentially is found useless, by right, in uh, handling by like, those outbreaks, you know, which allow the uh, virus to spread, like Gambuster, China, I right? then right, I think the the leadership might, you know, feel like, gee, well, that's really, right, that we ha- you know, have no other option, right, you know, but to... Uh, abandon this approach, but this is more like a passive right uh, uh, approach, right? The uh, because they're forced to give up, right? The, uh, uh, I think that uh, may be a more likely scenario.
1: Definitely, thank you so much for joining us today, Professor Huang. This was really informative.
0: Thank you.
2: Thank you very much for listening to this episode of the Hopkins podcast on foreign affairs. We hope you enjoyed it. We would like to say thank you to the International Studies Program at Johns Hopkins University and the SNF Agora Institute at Johns Hopkins University for making this episode possible. Remember to follow us on social media at Hopkins POFA on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook for the latest and greatest of Hopkins POFA content. Hit follow on Spotify, subscribe on iTunes, and leave a rating.